I want to jump in today, and um, we, we've been in this series on family goals uh, for the last three years. And, no, just joking. It just it's felt like it's been a long time. We've been in this series, and, and uh, I was praying this week, and I'm like, man, Lord, I'm ready to... I'm ready to talk about something else. And uh, some of you are like, I'm ready for you to talk about something else as well. Uh, family goals, we pulled it from Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, uh, today I think is going to be really key uh, and our, our, our last uh, message in this series. Joshua 24, 15 says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, you should have this memorized, we will serve the Lord. Some of you are like, man, I never knew that was in the Bible. I've only seen that on Pinterest. That is the most popular place for this scripture to be, but it's actually in the Bible. I want you to know this. The goal of family is not just to get the kids out of the house is not to survive teenage years unscathed. The goal of family is to be a godly family. And I I just want you to know, if you haven't been a part of our series, when we talk about family, it's at times it can get tense. I was going to tell you, the the first service, it just got got a little hot in here. And um, and the only thing higher than the heat index right now is the gas prices. uh, But it got got a little extra hot in the room. Because when you talk about family, family comes along with our own experience. And when, when we talk about our own experience with family, it's not all ups. There's some downs in there. There's disappointments. There are losses. There are hurts, abuses. And so when you talk about family, it opens the door to a lot of emotions. And uh, I, I just want you to know today, this is a judgment-free zone. All right? Judgment-free zone. And uh, so if you're married... I'm going to tell you this, I'm, I'm, I'm coming for your marriage here, and we're going to be talking about your marriage. If you're single, just take a lot of notes, it'll help you in the future. If you're married, there's a couple rules for you, no elbows, all right? Just leave your spouse alone today. Um, this was actually a message for the first service, and um, so for you, I'm sure you don't even need it, so don't even elbow anybody, and so uh, you can just save it, maybe look at your notes later. We've said this, a godly ha- family happens by decision not by default, which means that I have to be in a place of authority over my own life to decide or to choose to have a godly family. It's my declaration, it's my decision, it's also my posture that I will believe that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 30 is another scripture in the Old Testament that talks about really our, our power to choose. It says in verse 19, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. I'm not going to choose for you. I'm going to let you choose. Life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children, your family, may live. And that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, now choose life. I mean, it's obvious to a lot of us, but we are confronted every day with choices, And if you think about your choices, really our family situation is a result, good or bad, of choices. Choices. You you ever ever made a bad choice? 
You ever invested in crypto? <laughs> Buy the dip, they say. Again and again. It's like the fifth dip, okay? And uh, I'm, done, I'm done with crypto. At least, actually, that's a lie. I bought some more this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm banking. It's coming back, right? It's coming I, 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 I bought a truck right before um, gas prices went to a record, record high, and uh, so that was a fun choice. Um, it sits in my driveway now. I can't afford to drive it, but it looks good. <laughs> choices. Every, everybody has good and bad choices. In your family, we are the result of our choices. Now, I'm, I'm going to talk about something that gets, that gets really sensitive. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about marriage. And it's sad that it gets so tense when you talk about marriage, but I want you to know that God's ultimate plan for your marriage is for it to be good. So if it's not good right now, it's okay, but that's not where it has to stay. And some of you are like, well, you don't know my husband. It's all right. We're going to start today, and we're going to believe for the best. If you're single in here, I want you to know this, that God has a plan for you and for your life and for your marriage that brings glory to him, but also brings joy to you. That your marriage, God has a plan for, and it's not for it to be subpar. God's plan is not for it to be average. God's plan is not for you to just barely get by or barely survive. God's plan is for you to have a marriage that is happy, that is fulfilling, that is full of God's presence, that is full of life. I'm going to tell you this. The best way to raise a godly family is to have a godly marriage. You know what today, I don't know. Oh, Mr. Charlie is right here in Allen, right here. I just found out they're celebrating 40 years of marriage today. Today, 40 years. So I found, found out as we were driving to the, to, the, to the next campus earlier today, and, and uh, I said, man, 40 years. I'm like, how did you guys do that? I want to know. And he said, it's a lot of the things that you talked about today. He said, we continue to make choices to love each other and serve each other. And, and, and you know what I want for my life and my marriage is I don't want to just be married for a long time. I want to be married and happy, like Charlie and Carmen are. I, I don't want to just like say, I've been married for 40. I want to be married and, and happy, because there's some people that have been married a long time, but it's like the only chance they got. You know, it's the only option. I, I want to be married and, and happy. I, 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 want, I want a marriage that's bringing life, that's fulfilling. And I want you to know this, singles in the room, God has that for you. No matter what picture you've seen of marriage, no matter what idea you've had of marriage, God has a good, happy, fulfilling, sex-filled, can you say that in church? You all right? Some of you just like, whoa. Good morning. Some of you just woke up. And I don't know if you know this or not, but God created sex. He didn't create it just for you to have kids. He also enjoyed for it to have, have some fun, to enjoy it. Man, it's like, I, I, th I, thought, I thought that I'd get more amens on that. <laughs> Some of y'all are going on a date night, okay? Y'all need to go on a date night. Y'all need to reinvent what brought the kids into the world, all right? <laughs> Choices. You know, the most effective way to change your family is to change yourself. 
When we're talking about family goals, it is so easy, and specifically when you talk about marriage, it is so easy to begin to talk about what they could do different. And I'm just going to tell you, I want to challenge you to pull the finger back towards yourself and just say, God, what can I do? How can I change? What do you want to reveal in me? Well, you don't know. I, 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 I get it. I get it. That's God's responsibility. Your responsibility, believe it or not, is not to change your spouse. Your responsibility is to be submitted to God and allow him to work in you. This is what, the, this is what Deuteronomy chapter 30 said. It said to choose life. Choose life. Choose life. And then you'll be able to love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. Can I just encourage somebody, no matter what area of the journey or season of the journey you find yourself in, when you begin to choose God as a priority, you can also hold fast to him. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me this morning that some people are in their own version of a storm in the midst of their own relationship and their own marriage. And I want to encourage you, when you choose God and you choose life, you also have the opportunity to hold fast to him. And I want you to know something about God. The Bible says he is our refuge and he is our strength. He is the rock that's higher than I. He's my safe place. When your marriage isn't safe, he is. When the relationship isn't everything you want it to be, he is. He, he is our refuge and our strength. I, I don't know if you've ever been into like doing puzzles. I'm not. I, I've done a couple, but like puzzles, it just like it takes a lot of time and it's a lot of pieces. And, but I learned this is that you start with the edges. Is that true? Like you start, you start with the straight pieces. I want to give you, I want to give you the edges of the puzzle of the picture of a godly marriage. Okay? You get to fill it in, but I'm, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you some choices. Choose life. I'm gonna give you some choices that you can choose that will set the parameters of the picture of the marriage that God wants to build and create for you. And the first one is this. It is the choice of priority. The choice of priority. Now explain this. The choice of priority is this, is that for Jamie and I, the best thing that I could do to Jamie is tell her, now I'm going to explain this, so don't get mad, don't throw anything yet. The best thing I could do for Jamie is tell her she's number two to me. I'm going to teach, I'm just going to set the corners. Because if I make her number one, then she unseats God as the top priority. And if I put her in that place, then I expect from her what only he can fulfill. So now I'm putting an expectation on her that she never has an opportunity to fulfill. So she's constantly a disappointment because I'm expecting supernatural from someone that is natural. So my first priority has to be God. Sounds kind of obvious, but it's, well, it needs to be said. He's got to be first. That my relationship with him, my security, my purity, my confidence, my identity, it comes from him first. Then, second, is Jamie. Now, I know some of you are like, well, Jamie and the kids. No, Jamie. And then the kids. We were a family before there was ever kids. 
We were together before there was ever kids involved. So our family priority is not us deciding to sacrifice one another for the sake of the kids. Because the best thing that we could do for the kids is to stay in love and to be healthy and to be godly. I see families all the time, marriages all the time, that the priority, I'm literally talking to a couple of marriages right now, that the priority was each other before they had kids, was the kids while they had kids, now the kids have left and they realize they don't love each other anymore. Because they've been so busy on the project in front of them that they worked together, they lived together, but they stopped making each other the priority. So now the project is gone and they realize they don't have anything in common. They've changed. I was listening to a marriage counselor. He was, he was speaking and he said somebody came to him and they said, um, you know, I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't think my wife and I are in love anymore. She's like a different person. And he goes, she is a different person. He goes, you'll probably be married to three or four different women in the course of your life. I mean, the same woman, but three or four different versions, and vice versa, men. Vice versa, three to four different, because we change. I'm a different person than I was 15 years ago. I've changed a couple times. Jamie's had a couple different men. Oh, me, but, you know, you get the idea. Most issues in marriage are a result of misplaced priorities. If you don't prioritize each other, if you don't prioritize that this is me, you versus the world, it's not you and your college buddies and the girl you date. It's not you and your girls that have your girls' night out and the husband that you have to have. It's you and your husband. In the good times and the bad times, when you stand on the stage or the altar and you make those covenants, you become, the Bible teaches us, you become one. It's you versus the world, and you should let no one divide you or separate you. That's not just the person you sleep with. This is the person you're unified with. There's a difference. So this is the corner, the choice of priority. The, the second corner is this, the, the choice of pursuit. And I'll explain this. The choice of pursuit. So many people settle for an average marriage when God has an awesome one available for, available for them. And it's not in changing people. Some of you are like, oh, I was waiting for a pastor to say this. I'm trading this one in for a new model. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying that God has whatever, wherever situation you find yourself in now, God has an ultimate good. And there has to be a commitment in the life of a man or woman of God that says my pursuit is after God's best. And over time, oftentimes God's best seems too far out of reach, so we settle for our best. And I'm going to tell you this, you don't have to settle for your best. God has his best that's available. When we begin to make these choices, God begins to work in and through our lives. And I'll tell you this, this pursuit is not to find someone that will meet all my needs. This pursuit is to find someone that you're willing to spend the rest of your life serving. See, when, I, when I'm talking with young people all the time, this is not what they're looking for. When I was single, this is not what I was looking for. I remember the first time I saw Jamie, I, she hadn't talked, haven't heard her speak, haven't said, I just saw her from behind. I'm just being honest with you. She got out of the car and I was like, who is that girl? 
I need to talk to her. I feel an unction from the Lord. I hear, I'm just being honest. I wasn't thinking like, now, well, I did actually, I thought I could serve her. I did think that. I got to be, I got to be honest with you. Um, okay. Some of you too religious. That's all right. We'll loosen you up. We'll loosen you up. It's all right. Your first thoughts when you're young are not like, I need to find someone I can lay down my life for, yield my rights to, give up all the desires of my heart to serve. That's not what you usually think about. But that's what marriage is. Some of you are like, that's not what it is. Well, that's why you're married. Okay. Uh, no, it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be, I got two tens. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's painful to talk about. Okay. I know, I know, I know it is. Most issues in marriage, we said, are a result of misplaced priorities. Now, listen to this. The greatest marriage on earth is two servants in love. The difficulty is, for some of you, you really catch this, and you're hoping your spouse does. Right? It's like, I've been serving. But he needs to, I, I get it. The best equation is two servants that are in love. Can I just help like single people out for a second? Just say, when you're looking for somebody, maybe instead of charisma and splash and pizzazz, you might want to look for a little bit of servanthood, humility, and godliness. Can I offer that? Like kindness and, you know, those kind of things. Oh, he's so sarcastic and he's this and he's that. Well, maybe he, just make sure he's kind too. Because sarcasm after 15 years, if that's all you got, you're going to be hoping just for a, you know, a little bit of kindness. We, we look for the wrong, our culture teaches us to look for the wrong things. So if you're married right now, I want you to know that, that, that the commitment, the choice that you need to make is the choice of pursuit. Serving one another. The worst marriage is two selfish people in love. Love serves. Love gives. Love prefers. If, if you're not serving, then you're not loving. That's, that's heavy. Wow. If you're not serving, just think about it for the first service. Like it's for them, not for you. If you're not serving, you're not, you're, you're not loving. It's the choice of pursuit. Let's go to that next corner. The choice of partnership. Now this, this one's interesting but this is so key to God building the masterpiece that he wants to build is that you've got you've to understand that when you get married, you give up your single life. You give, you give up those things that you once were and you come into unity and into relationship. You might have to change some of your relationships. You might have to change some of the places that you hang out or some of the people that you hang out with. You know, it's, it's interesting to me that, that, that we have a wedding ceremony, right? Wedding ceremony. People give vows, which that's a crazy concept in and of itself. Like the vows that we say. Like, I mean, it's pretty intense, the things we say. Like in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, till death do us part. It's like, it's intense stuff that we say up there. But it's interesting to me that wedding ceremonies are getting shorter and shorter, right? I do weddings all the time. I'm doing like weddings every weekend for the rest of my life right now. And... Um, <laughs> So, all you guys have fun at the lake on the weekends. I'm going to be doing weddings. <laughs> I love them anyways. I love them. I'm so glad I can do your weddings. <laughs> um, but they think a 20-minute ceremony 
because that's what it is now. They're getting shorter and shorter. Literally had someone the other day said, can we do this in 15? I'm like, your bridesmaids don't even get in the door in 15 minutes. I'm like, what? How you doing? Be married. You know, it's, but it's, it's funny that we think that that 20-minute ceremony changes our hearts and our minds. You're a flirt now, and after a 15-minute ceremony, you're a flirt afterwards. You're addicted to pornography before, and you're going to be addicted afterward. So I, I know it's uh, heavy, 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 heavy. So you got to make a choice now. If you're single, you got to make a choice now. If you're married, you got to make a, a choice now that we, when you get married, you partner with the other person. Your issues don't go away, but you have to give up that season of life and come into partnership that you work together. When, when Jamie and I got married, Jamie was in missions and I was pastoring. We're like, we're both in ministry. This can be easy. Well, missions and pastoring are two different things. Okay, local church ministry and overseas ministry, two different things. And, and so I, like, I'm like, whoa, this is different. Like I expected you to do this, and she expected ministry to be like this, and it's different. So that doesn't mean that she gives up her call to follow mine, and I don't give up my call to follow hers. We're following God's call. God brought us together, so we partner with the anointing on Jamie, with the anointing on me, and we figure out how this works together. This does not mean you have to work at the same job, same vocation, same calling. It means that God has created a way for you to come together. It usually comes together by yielding your rights. Each of you saying, how can we serve one another. How can we advance the dreams of one another? And you partner together. Marriage is about complementary equals. I know sometimes in church world this gets a little out of context. There's, there's nobody that's better than the other one. Or nobody that, can, can I just help you with this? If you don't give yourself to partnership, you will oftentimes give yourself to dominance. And any, and I've seen marriages both ways where the woman dominates the husband or the husband dominates the wife. The woman tells the husband what to wear, where to eat, how much to eat, when to speak, when to be funny, when to not be funny. You ever seen, don't, don't shake your heads, don't, don't. Have you ever seen these wives? Like, honey, this is not the time. Be quiet. And it's like, I literally had a friend that like, we'd go into public situations and, and she'd be like, this is not the time to be funny. And he's like, you know, like this is not, this does not seem very fun. And I've seen husbands who've got the bad idea of leadership. I'm going to tell you, our men's conference is not going to be like this this weekend, but I'm, I'm going to let you know this. Leadership is not like, go be the, the leader of your home. Dominate. Tell them what to do. You know what leadership is? Leadership is service. Here is the opportunity to lead. The opportunity to lead is the opportunity to go first. Go first in what? Go first in service. Go first in forgiveness. Go first in apologies. How, how many men in here are the first one to apologize? Don't uh, uh, First in apology. First in generosity. First. 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 Not for what I want. The first to lay down. Je the Bible says Jesus was the servant of all. And this is what they say. When, when the Bible teaches about the order of the home, it teaches, first it's in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, submit one to another. Did anybody read that verse? 
No, we didn't read that. I know. Men never read that verse. Because they only read the next one. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. It's the S word in church. It's like a cuss word. You can't, can't say it. S and submit. It's like, I mean, sex and submit. Yeah, it's two bad words. Submit one to another. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Man, how did Jesus love? The servant of all. We should start giving out the servant of all award. The husband of the year. He's the leader of his home. He provides. He's, whoa, you got a job. Good job. Like, dominance is the result of insecurity. When you're confident in who you are, you can prefer and serve. It's partnership. It's what marriage should be. It's partnership. I want to make Jamie's dreams come true. She wants to make my dreams come true. That partnership, she has gifts I don't have. I have gifts she doesn't have. That, you know what? That, the things that oftentimes attract you before marriage are the things that annoy you afterwards. Any married people who can relate to this? Just, just, just me? Like before we got married, I was like, that's so adorable that Jamie can never be on time. I just think that's like, man, look at her. She's so independent. She doesn't need me. Look at her, how strong she is. And then we get married. I'm like, uh, do you love me? Or I learned, I learned that me and Jamie have like different languages. So we had to like really lean in to like learn the languages. Because when I tell you I'm on my way, it means I'm in the car driving on my way. Because I tell the truth. When she says she's on her way, she means I thought about leaving. You got to learn, you got to learn the language. So no joke, this morning she texts me, can you fix Jude's hair when I get there? And I'm like, yes, for sure, if you get here on time. And she goes, I'm on my way. I'm like, maybe. I don't know. It's partnership. It's you got to learn the language of each other, and you only learn that by having the right priority, saying that you, I don't have to serve you the way I want to be served. You know, you oftentimes love the way you want to be loved. So some of you men, you're like, you know, my, my love language is physical touch. Well, no, you just like sex. Like, that's okay. You can like sex. It's just not your love language. If it's your love language, you'll receive love like that from everybody. Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Pull that one back real quick. I always tell the college students that. I always tell the college student guys, they're like, you know, it's just like my love language is physical touch. I just like it, you know, when she like, you know, I like to be close and I like to, and I'm like, do you receive love like that from, from everybody? I'm like, anyways. You don't get to choose partnership, priority. Can I just end with this one? This one's a little bit heavy, but I'm saying it because I love you and I want you to have the best marriage you can have. And I also want you to walk in the freedom that God has available for you. It's the choice of purity. Choice of purity, it's, it's, it's crazy how the enemy just attacks us 
in the area of our purity and our commitment to one another. And I want you to know this. The Bible says in the book of John that God, he's the, the, whoever the Son sets free, he sets free, not partially, not some of the time. He sets free indeed. So whether you have an addiction to something or some type of habit or cycle or you've never been able to stay committed, God's freedom and free indeed means that you can be in a loving relationship and you can be faithful. That means that you can be free from pornography or free from thoughts or free from these different variations of different addictions and how you can be free. God's plan for you is to be free and free indeed. This is where we say the, 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 the choice of pursuit is that we're pursuing God's best. I'm not settling, well, my husband, he just kind of, no, 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 no. We're, we're pursuing God's very best, which means this, that we make the choice with purity. I was, I was talking to a, a guy, and he was telling me that his wife just went out with one of his buddies, his, his friend, and was complaining about their marriage. And I'm like, wait, hold up, s- slow down. I gotta, I, I, sometimes I'm slow. Your wife went out with that man, complained about your marriage. And he's like, yeah, they're kind of close. I, whatever, I guess you feel safe talking to him. I'm like, hold up, hold up. What are y'all doing? We got to make choices that protect what we have. You don't make choices out of fear. You make choices out of wisdom. Can I tell you, there's nobody that I complain to about my marriage other than people who love me enough to tell me the truth and can help me. Jamie doesn't go out for girls' night to bash on Dustin. At least I don't think. Some of the ladies are like, oh, I heard something. <laughs> if it's on the podcast, it's okay. That's public, okay? I don't go out with the guys talking about how I wish Jamie would. I've got people in my life, Pastor Steve and Lisa. You know, our founding pastors, Jamie can call them anytime. We've made this agreement. They, she can call them anytime and complain about me. And when I said that, I was kind of feeling like honorable, like anytime there's a problem, you just reach out to them, they will be our safe place. But she, she called them. More than once. And you know what? Pastor Stephen Lisa will never be like, oh yeah, he is a jerk. They'll call me. Say, hey, Dustin, how you doing? How are you and Jamie? Jamie, call me. Let's talk about this. Can we help you? Can we come alongside you? And then Pastor Steve says this to me. I hate it. He goes, you know, she's a reflection of the way that you love her. I'm like, she's responsible for her own life. Don't put that on me, Pastor. Who you, who you talk to is important to how you protect your purity. I, there are some, I didn't say this in any, any other service, but I'm just going to tell you. There are some movies that you shouldn't be watching. I'm not trying to be old school or try, I'm just trying to say you got to protect the everything in our culture and our world is trying to pull apart the purity and the integrity of your marriage and you say I want this type of marriage and I want him to be this committed and this way and then we watch this Every, everything you see and hear are seeds go into your life. That's why when you're single right now, you should be sowing into your future by walking in purity now. 
sex was designed and created by God to fit in the container of marriage, which means not that you have to have weak or bad sex. It means that it's protected in the covenant of marriage. How awesome is that? Is that the devil didn't create sex. God created sex. And not just for you to have kids, but for you to enjoy it too. Jamie tells this example when she teaches. She teaches a lot of relationship classes. She said a fire in a fireplace is comforting and warm and safe. A fire in a dry forest is dangerous and a threat. Your sexual life outside of covenant is danger to you and to others. Your sexual life inside covenant is safe. You could say it like this, a reservoir contains water that provides power to cities, to regions. And as long as it's contained in the reservoir, it provides power. If it gets out of the reservoir, it does damage, flooding, destruction. What God created is designed to be under the, in the container or under the context or a covenant of marriage. You know what's crazy? This is like wild to say these days. It's not because God's boundaries are to hurt you. God's boundaries are always to help you. The reason that so many people have destruction in their relationship life is because they took the fire out of the container and they, they didn't realize that God designed that to be contained under a covenant. If you're dating, can I just help you with this? If you're dating, there should be no emotional or physical advancement until there's commitment. This would just help you. In our world, we're like, let's just try this out. Let's swipe right. Let's see what happens. Let's go. Like, no, you got to have some type of commitment to open your heart and your body. Commitment is what makes, I'll just say this, commitment is what makes men step up. And men always take the pathway of least resistance. So if they can get what they want without committing, they will. Not everybody. Some good men. I did, though. Luckily, Jamie was a woman of God. She's like, you said you wanted this? I'm like, ah. <laughs> the choice of purity. The partnership, the pursuit, the priority, purity. I'm choosing. I was praying this week, and I just, I knew it was going to be heavy today to just talk about marriage. Because some of you are in marriages that you're walking through things or have come out of marriages where you had different things. And I was reminded of a story in John chapter 8 that I think would maybe just comfort everybody's heart today, no matter how you're feeling right now. John chapter 8, the Bible talks about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. The Bible says religious rulers came, leaders came and threw her at the feet of Jesus, expecting Jesus to judge her like they did. They throw her at the feet of Jesus, and they say the law is that, you should, that she should be stoned. She should be killed because of what she did. It's interesting they brought the woman, but not the man that she was with. But that's another story for another time. They, they brought her, and, and the Bible says that Jesus didn't confront them or confront her. It says that he got down and started drawing in the dirt, which I love this picture. It's like Jesus got on her level. Can I just tell you, Jesus is not lording something over you, condemning you for what you've done or where you've been. He gets down on our level. And then he says this, whoever has no sin, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible says, and one by one, people left. So this is encouraging for all of us. We're not the only ones that go through stuff. We're not the only one that have made bad choices or mistakes. 
I've made them, you've made them, we've all made them. And God's not judging us for what has been. This is the cool thing about God, is he takes us from where we are. In fact, the Bible says that he gives us beauty for ashes. Let's just say you've just burnt every relationship you've ever been in. God will take the ashes of your past relationships and he'll take them when he's on your level and exchange them for beauty. That's the grace of God, friend. That when Jesus died on that cross and he took our sin and he took our shame and he took condemnation, he also provided not just for those things to be forgiven, but the newness of life that comes from commitment and relationship and life with him. That's the beauty of it. He takes our destruction and says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you beauty for it. The Bible says, whoever casts has whoever has no sin, cast the first stone. Everybody left. Jesus got down on her level. And this is what he says. He says, your sins are forgiven. First thing he does is wipes out condemnation of the past. That's beautiful. And then he says, go and sin no more. So he forgives the past without relaxing the standard on the future. We have, we have a culture that's done one or the other, either condemns or forgives. Jesus does both. He says, your past is forgiven. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 30, what we started with, choose life. Can I just tell you, wherever you are in the journey, wherever you are in your relationships, going forward, choose life. You're going to make mistakes still. God's going to forgive you. God's going to give you beauty for ashes. But from here on, let's choose life. Let's choose blessing. Let's choose what God has for us. Let's choose this plan that he has. And I'm telling you, God's not done with your legacy. God's not done with your family. God's not done with your marriage. God's not done with your life. No matter what you've been through, what mistakes you've been, God sees you and he loves you and has a plan for your life. For you singles out there, you're saying, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. Listen, God has the perfect person that is not just something, someone you have to settle for. God has someone that will come alongside you and partner with you to advance his kingdom through you. It's legacy. God has your legacy in mind. Would you stand up with me all across this place? I know this is a sensitive subject and it's heavy. It's the last one in the series. We're done. But I love you, and I believe in God's best for you. I counsel marriages all the time. And a lot of times there's a breakdown in choice that's leading or lending to the dysfunction that they're walking in. And I'm just going to tell you, whatever has been, has been. Whatever, whatever will be is decided by the choices that we make coming out of here. Nothing's going to be solved in a day, in a moment, in, in, in just a second of time. But when we begin to make choices, we begin to build foundations or choices build the edges of the masterpiece that God wants to build. And I don't know who this is for, but you just need to know God has a masterpiece in mind. I was praying on the way over here, and I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me that there's somebody that's been married for a long time. And you, I said, I want to be married for a long time and happy. You've been married for a long time. And I heard the Lord just whisper in my ear to tell you that he is about to bring a changing of the seasons. Even a season that's been for a long, long time, that God wants to bring a changing of the season. 
Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. This is how I want us to close. The band's going to begin to play. And I want you, wherever you are in your journey, whatever season you find yourself in, whether you're separated, divorced, married, want to be married, have been married, whatever season, I want to ask you to invite God into that place. Just invite him in. Invite him into. You know what's interesting is that everyone that's single can't wait to be married. And everybody that's married, well, the grass is always greener on the other side. Can we just invite God into the season that we're in right now?